Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast, brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Costa Sunglasses, All Hands Vodka, Turtle Box Audio, and Orvis Fly Fishing. Over the past few years, I've really enjoyed and come to love my time spent with photographers, videographers, and artists who love and make their living on the water, but oftentimes see things in a different way from many guides and anglers. In today's episode, I sit down with Adam Barker, who has built an incredible photography business and been able to travel the world capturing fishing, skiing, and pretty much anything else you can imagine that happens outside. In this podcast, Adam shares about the importance of being prepared and present and dives into what he has picked up along the way while spending time with some amazing world-class anglers. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And then it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might, definitely making it up as you're going along. But So what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's an old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning at? So look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's going to be. Well, hey, Adam, thanks for hanging out and joining us on the podcast. I've been following a lot of your photography over the past couple of years. And really, as I started to look more into fly fishing and destination travels and really just, uh, I mean, just all things travel in general and being outdoors, I've, I've run across a lot of your photography and I'm excited to hear about it. What have you been up to lately? What's the most recent uh, projects that you've been working on? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Hunter, for having me on. Appreciate it. Love your podcast. Huge fan. And, uh, man, I think you give some great insight into, you know, our industry. But honestly, the people, the people are what make this industry. So, yeah, mm. happy to be here. So thank you. Um, man, lately, gosh, we just kind of ended with, it kind of capped a big winter here in Utah. Um, huge winter, like record-breaking snow. So we're dealing with record-breaking runoff to be honest <laughs> so the fishing season um is a little uh late to get started but a little bit more typical of what we we deal with but i'm a i'm a huge skier so the winter was was rad and and awesome to kind of i mean just more pow days than i could shake a stick at which is great uh mm. but recently returned from just a, a close shoot nearby in central utah I was doing a shoot for patagonia um, they got mm -hmm. some new product rolling out and we just rolled down there and fished a couple lesser known zones, really kind of just on the hunt for, for clear water. Everything is blowing chocolate milk right now. So you got to look hard for those tailwaters that aren't really affected by, um, other, other runoff. And yeah, man, we found it. We found it. The fishing was, was pretty good. Uh, but mostly like anything, you know, that we do seems like it's as much about the experience and the people and. Yeah, you know, the fishing is a bonus for me a lot of the time. 
Yeah. And you're doing a lot of wide ranging travel. So I'm sure that what that looks like has a wide variance from place to place, but what are your favorite types of shoots? Is it really remote places where you're camping? Is it what, what to you is kind of the, the dream shoot and scenario? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would say, I mean, for sure, undiscovered is awesome. Um, that's harder and harder these days, right? <laughs> um, you know, for whatever reason, the the iconic, the super visited, the oft visited places, um, hmm. I don't know, they're like, I still love to visit them. To be honest, one of my favorite places to shoot is Grand Teton National Park, which is not that far away from me here. Um, from a landscape mm-hmm. standpoint, also there's some great fishing up there in and around that area. But I bring that up because it's like the most iconic of icons, right? But I could never mm-hmm. not go up there and shoot. It's so beautiful. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, for me, it's it's a destination that kind of holds a little bit of um, just mystery, I guess. Like it's mm-hmm. it's nice. To, it seems like in this day and age, and I'm a big I'm big on preparation. I like to kind of get my ducks in a row and understand light and location and like sunset and sunrise time and and all of that. Like I try and equip myself the best way possible to to come away Mm -hmm. with the best imagery possible. But there's also Mm -hmm. a lot to be said for showing up and just rolling with it and let, and and to be honest, like mother nature kind of dictates, right? Like I'll always have a plan A um, and a plan B, but to be honest, like the best photographer is the photographer that can, um, create an A plus image in, in like D plus conditions. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I think you got to adapt, but yeah, in, in a perfect world, it's a little bit, it's, it's more remote, <coughs> but mostly I I'd be shooting, I think, especially from a fishing standpoint, location is awesome. You know, great fish are awesome, but it's the people in front of the lens that make the difference. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, how much do they want to be there? How much do they love it? Like, can you feel, um, their passion and enthusiasm for what we're doing, like through the lens or are they just going through the motions? Like, is it truly, you know, by, by default, a lot of the commercial work that I do is it's, it's a little bit, um, prepackaged if I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and my job as a photographer is n- not to make it look like that, but mm-hmm. the shoots that aren't prepackaged always turn into a lot of fun and always yield the best imagery, to be honest. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, and you know this, but I'm relatively new to travel and, you know, I grew up doing some travel duck hunting and some travel fishing in the Southeast, but not much. And, and certainly, uh, don't have a large base in that. And so one of the things that's fun and challenging and sometimes, you know, can make some anxiety too, is that preparation piece of trying to say, okay, how do I prepare to be able to be adaptable? You know, what if we go to this location and we think we're going to be fishing for tailing redfish, but really it's, there's a bunch of large jacks out and now yeah. we got different rods and reels and it can be fun. It can get stressful. It can it can cause anxiety. And I think it's an interesting thing that photographers and I've traveled around on a couple of shows and been on a, a show or two. And, um, there's that element, right? When you add in photography, you add in videography, or you just add in travel to where, you know, it can be really fun or it can be really anxious and actually rob you of the, 
the joy. Like I'm, I'm sure many people listening to this have been in situations where they look back at a photo and they go, gosh, that was amazing. But I just wasn't present in the moment. How, how do you try to stay present in the moment? And how do you try to help people around you stay present in the moment and not get overwhelmed by having to adapt and having to, you know, deal with all of those conditions? Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, crazy valid point. Like, especially, I think, I think that not letting the gravity and like the stress of all of it overtake it all comes probably with, with time and experience understanding. Yes. Like, I mean, one of the coolest things about photography is that no one image will ever be exactly the same. Right. So you can either Mm -hmm. look at that as a plus or a minus, like you could be like, Oh my gosh, like, so much pressure, so much stress. I, I got to capture exactly what this moment is because it's never going to be like this again. Or, you know, you can approach it in the way of, dude, might have blown that last opportunity. I'm going to have another one coming up. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and no, and that only comes with with that only comes with experience and with time and understanding mm-hmm. that because I can recall many times early on where you know to your point, I was so focused on getting the what I considered to be the best shot possible to representing that experience mm-hmm. and the feeling and the location and everything else in the best way possible. Um, I was so stressed about that that I kind of just, uh, I, I, to your point, I, I would, I would kind of be robbed of the, the experience. So, I mean, I think you got to remember that while we're out there trying to document and capture like this is life right like you're trying to help people experience um these magic moments through your lens and Mm -hmm. you can't do that if you yourself are not experiencing that and i think it just takes constant reminders and in in again like experience like the more you do it and the more you pull it off the more comfortable you'll be with maybe the shots that you don't get knowing yeah that you can't do it all all the time And at a certain point, you really do have to give in to being present and being a part of the moment. And you know that your skill set and your vision will 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 be captured and will come across if you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, my best advice is just to always be ready. Don't always be stressed about it, but just be ready because, you know, with travel and if we're talking about fishing specifically, things happen incredibly quickly. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I just find that if you're always ready to shoot, um, you'll get something. Um, it might not be the a plus shot that you had in mind, but it could be Mm -hmm. an a plus shot of an entirely different moment or scenario, or, um, it might be a different shot than you had in your head. And that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of cool too, is uh, like I said, as much as you have a plan in your head, I mean, it wasn't it Mike Tyson that said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna get yeah. punched. You get punched in the mouth a ton, and I don't know. With experience comes the realization that it's all good. Like something else will come, and you know if you can't smile and laugh with your buddies, then what are we doing out there anyway? Yeah, that's that is really interesting because I think that that's something that I'm I'm trying to grow in as an angler is just being able to appreciate whatever whether you get weathered out or whether the conditions, you know, dictate a different type of fishing, a different style of fishing. Now you got a spin rod or now you're, you're fishing in a different zone. You're really excited and just trying to learn how to deal with that. And it's interesting to kind of parallel something my wife shared with me when she was 
um, in college, she got a master's in special education and there's a poem about uh, people who end up having children who have various different types of special needs or disabilities and how they talk about it's kind of like imagine you're going on a trip and you think that you're going to Sweden, but you end up in Switzerland. And that's not where you thought you would be. But then once you get there for long enough, you start to realize all the amazing things about Switzerland. And it's like it's a beautifully written poem about just when you have something unexpected come up in life that you instead of stressing about the fact that it wasn't what you thought, just trying to realize and enjoy what it is. And I think with travel, you know, I mean, man, you know, so many things are different than what they look like when you're planning and you're packing and you're prepping, whether you're a photographer or an angler or whatever it might be. And I went to the Bahamas last year for, we were supposed to fish for three days. We fished for two days. The middle day was a tropical storm level winds. And the third day was an insanely cold day where like we barely saw any fish. And I, I, what was great about it, even what you said about the people in front of the camera is on the third day when it was really cold, I was with Travis Sands, who yeah, is Travis. an incredible, oh, he's just like, if you have to be, if you're going to be on a boat with somebody and right. not see fish, and it has nothing to do with Travis's ability because he's very talented, he's the type of guy you want to be with. And 100%. we like just had lunch and walked around and explored and, and we didn't give up though. And we ended up catching a really nice bonefish last minute. It was, it was a great memory for yes. me, but it's kind of what you're saying too, of like, I found myself there was a moment in that day where I was like, okay, we are not seeing a lot of fish and it just is what it is. We had a, I had a videographer with me and I'm like, we, it just is what it is. And I'm just going to choose to make the best of it. And it ended up working out. We had a great opportunity, but I think that's great advice for people because whether they're fishing in their own backyard or, you know, they, they get weathered out and now, you know, I'm trying to work on kind of some of those types of things. Like I got a paddleboard and tomorrow it's going to be blowing 25, 30 knots here. And I'm like, maybe I'll just go drop my sure. paddleboard in a way up a river and just see what's up there. So I think that's a great encouragement. I'm curious, like just so people can kind of have a scope of the types of travel before we dive even into your story. You know, you're just shooting with Patagonia in Utah. You've shot in the Seychelles. Just kind of give like an overview. I know you're a really humble guy, but you've also been able to be a part of some really incredible things. Can you just give a general overview of what you've been able to do as a photographer and what that career aspect has looked like? Yeah, man. I mean, gosh, I feel incredibly fortunate to have seen a good part of this world. Um, I tell people that I've been from Antarctica to Asia and a lot of places in between. Um, So I... I have certainly, you know, always kind of had that wanderlust that a lot of us that, you know, in this industry, in the outdoors have. Um, I've taught workshops in, in Europe, in Southeast Asia. Um, I've done, you know, work for clients, um, you know, domestically and internationally. And, and yeah, I feel, I feel really, really lucky to have seen a lot of places, but the, the honest truth is, is like, it's given me the perspective that I think so many people in this world are searching for in that I am so content to be at home. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's an amazing place. It's amazing for what I do, you know, in active lifestyle and outdoor photography. Um, but it just makes me appreciate what I have. And, and I've, I have a family, so I got three boys, um, and a wife and, and, while in the earlier part of my career, 
I really kind of chased those super sexy international, like far flung remote corners of the globe trips. Um, it was great mm-hmm. for the brand. It was great for social media. It, you know, made me feel like I'm, I'm really doing it. You know, this is, I'm doing it. <laughs> and, um, and it was awesome. And I came away with great imagery and great experiences, but truly like it gave me the perspective that I have now 15 years into this career where it's like, man, if I can do a shoot for Patagonia three hours from my house, then sign me up, <laughs> you know, because, hmm. um, as much as it's just, it's a great, it's, 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 it's balance that I think balance is what I'm always looking for and looking for, especially now in my career. Um, you know, in addition to the places that I've been able to visit, I think the people that I've been able to work with over the years have been amazing. I've worked with, you know, X Games athletes and amazing anglers, you know, super crazy good sticks, you know, all over the world. Um, I've worked for dream clients and I've published in all of the publications I could ever hope to be published in. It's really, you know, especially in this day and age of digital consumption, it's still still such an amazing thing to see your work in print, especially in, yeah. in really great looking publications. And it just kind of validates, it validates it for you because, you know, you really, it, my goal, at least when I grew up, magazines, like were the, the medium of choice, right? That's how we kind of consumed yeah. and digested, um, pho- photography. And, and I want to be, I always wanted to be the photographer that shot the images that stopped the page turning, right? Like I wanted, Mm. like if you were flipping through a magazine, let's just say even at Barnes and Noble, or let's say you got it randomly that you don't even know this publication and you're flipping through it randomly. I want to, I want to be the photographer that shoots the image that makes you stop and, and study it for a second and, and connect and just be like, dang, like what? how, what, where, you know, like, so yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a very, yeah. Not quick synopsis of, (laughs) of my career thus far, I guess. Yeah. And one of the things I think for me, that's interesting, and I don't know if this is standard or not because I, I just haven't been around it enough is you, you work a lot with anglers that I've interviewed or know, but you, you mentioned the kind of X games, BMX thing. You have a wide scope of what you're doing, what to you, like you mentioned skiing, what types of shoots do you do outside of fishing? Yeah. So, I mean, my elevator pitch, my one liner is I make my living in active lifestyle and outdoor photography. So I shoot for, um, a lot of clients in the outdoor space, whether that's footwear or apparel, um, you know, destinations. I do a lot of work for resorts here locally and, and destinations around the world. Um, you know, clothing and apparel brands, uh, lifestyle brands. Um, I love like what, what people probably know me best for in my work is, is probably landscape skiing and and fly fishing photography. Um, my roots Mm -hmm. are in landscape photography. That's where I really kind of found my love for photography is, you know, for the first gosh, especially in my formative years and in kind of honing my craft, it was just me. Like, as, as it is for many photographers, but it was, I, I wasn't into the lifestyle or even action or active lifestyle component. It was landscape. And I, man, I loved ridiculously good light and I loved the remote locations that you're talking about. And I loved getting up early and staying out late 
And I love the challenge that existed just for me. It was just me. Like if it didn't go right, then it was all on me. And if it did go right, then Mm -hmm. I could, I guess I could pat myself on the back. Um, but, uh, that really kind of shaped my style. It shaped my understanding of photography. I tell people that I am a photographer's photographer. I'm not a, an angler that happened to pick up a camera. I'm not a skier that happened to kind of be like, well, I should shoot some pictures too. I'm a photographer and I love to, to participate in these activities as well. But technically I have the understanding that allows me to capture a moment um, or a place or an experience in a creative way that connects with the viewer. And I think that, that having that technical background makes a huge difference in giving people the connection to an image that maybe they don't even totally understand, right? Like they, they mm. might not be able to tell you why they love a, you know, late evening backlit shot of a dude casting with water coming off the line or a fish jumping in the foreground. And it's that backlight is lighting up like every last drop of water. Um, or, you know, they might not be able to tell you why they like a kind of soft focus environmental portrait of Oliver White sitting on the beach in Oman, you know, that is by all accounts, a pretty straightforward image, but there are things that you can do from a technical standpoint um, that that unknowingly connect with the viewer, and I think that truly is what might separate like um, the the best from the average. You know, so yeah, I think yeah. you know, like my work runs the gamut, but anything in active lifestyle and outdoor, and and to to kind of just close the loop there. I knew that in landscape photography, I would not be able to make the living that I wanted to make. It's in, in the way that I wanted to do it. Let's put it that way. Um, you mm-hmm. got there's, there's a lot of landscape photography out there and really, really good landscape photography. And so I quickly realized that if you put somebody in that landscape doing something, um, using a particular product or advertising or promoting a place or a destination or an experience, that there's an opportunity to monetize that to a much greater extent, right? Like I still sell a lot of prints, uh, a lot of landscape prints, and it's still like a huge part of my brand and and my photography. Mm-hmm. But I knew that commercial, active lifestyle, and outdoor work was was what I would be pursuing. Yeah, and something interesting as as I'm sitting here listening to this is you talked about kind of the thing that you really fell in love with was that landscape and just a love for place, like the setting, the stage that all these different activities take place on. So not just like the skiing, but the mountain that you're skiing or, you know, the beach that you're fishing or whatever it may be. Talk us through your story of how you went from being a kid to being a full grown dad photographer that you, you know, you really to a lot of young photographers, you are living the dream. Talk us through that, but but not just the opportunities, like this opportunity came and I took it, but more about how you followed your passion through that and just the things that interest you. Can you give us kind of the full sweep there? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, I think it's important to note first and foremost that this was not like my destiny or as my one of my favorite you know movie characters of all time, George McFly. From Back to the Future 1, one of the greatest movies of all time. Thank you very much. It was never my density. <laughs> I, never, I never knew for sure that 
I was going to be a photographer. Like I, I grew up in a family of doctors. My dad's a retired ophthalmologist. My brother's an orthopedic surgeon. My uncle's an orthopedic surgeon. My, my grandpa was a cardiologist. So that was definitely not the path that was laid out for me. Right. Um, I studied market or I studied public relations in school at the University of Utah. Um, skiing was my life growing up. Like uh, I, I spent more hours skiing than doing anything else from October to June. That's all I cared about. You know, I was the typical kid that walked around with a binder at school with images from ski magazines plastered inside and had every square inch of my wall just covered with you know ski pictures and posters and everything else. So, you know, I wanted to make skiing. Uh, I wanted to be a professional skier for a lot of years and injuries kind of injuries and marriage definitely railroaded that plan. (laughs) And and honestly, like good call. (laughs) As it often does. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I, I, the only formal training I've ever had as a photographer was a black and white, um, film photo class in high school back when the wheel was square. My first camera was a Canon FTB, um, it's a freaking boat anchor of a camera, super heavy. In fact, if you ever get in your drift boat and are missing the, the anchor, look for the Canon FTB and <laughs> chuck that in the water. And it'll, it will for sure hold you. Um, mm. But yeah, um, you know, took that photography class, enjoyed it, <clears throat> and found kind of like a passion there for it. And, <clears throat> but it wasn't like this is it. And then I, I served a religious mission um, in Italy for two years, and that actually uh, really kind of ignited a little bit of, and, and I, I guess I should back up. I actually studied the arts and humanities in high school and then mm-hmm. did a trip to Europe for a month, and, and that kind of exposed me to, I don't know, the travel bug, I guess, right? And seeing mm-hmm. places that I wasn't familiar with, um, and I kind of had the desire to then share those places and those experiences with other people and, and a camera and photography made sense in the, in the coolest and one of the more engaging ways to do it for me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, worked in PR out of, out of college, uh, for five years in the ski industry. And it was really kind of during that time that I was developing my craft and understanding maybe a little bit of the business of photography. Um, I mm. got my business license in 2006 and started just kind of working on the side and seeing if, it, if this was something that was a reasonable thing to do. It took me about mm. two years to convince my wife <laughs> to let me, to let her, to have her let me quit my job that she was comfortable with yeah. and pursue, um, you know, uh, a path of uncertainty, right? Like no, um, no consistent or secure income. You got to figure out health benefits on your own. We had had, we had one kid that was, you know, about one and a half and another one on the way. Um, so a lot of uncertainty, Mm. but to your point, that was a really long way of arriving at this is I had gotten to the point where all I could think about was photography and night and day, man, like whether I was wasting time at my real job, sorry to my to my bosses back then in 2005, <laughs> or whether I was you know burning the midnight uh-huh. oil and just kind of furthering my own research, I I just couldn't get it out of my head. And the way yeah. I'm built, I just knew I knew that I had to give it a shot, or I would live my entire life regretting it. 
And that was ultimately it, man. I, I loved it enough that I couldn't not do it. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that, right? Because life is short and, you know, it's way, way too short to be doing something that we don't love um, and that doesn't kind of get us up in the morning and, and light that fire for us. And to be honest, like, it's, it's surprising, but my very first job out of college, um, I won't go into to who it was for, but it was in the ski industry. And you would think from the outside that it would have been the perfect fit, but I hated it. Like for mm. a couple reasons. And I was newly married and I remember <coughs> going to my wife each morning and it was just, I like, I dreaded going to work. And I'm so grateful that that was my first job out of college that could teach me like that was the job that said to me, okay, you'll never do what you don't want to do ever again in your life. You need to balance that against being able to provide for a family and, and, you know, having that life structure that you want otherwise, but you got to find something that you're happy doing. And yeah, you know, from there, gosh, it was it's a lot of hard work and a lot of failure along the way of some successes and a lot of kind of fine tuning your, your business and creative approach. But yeah, man, before I knew it, I was traveling the world and shooting for amazing clients, meeting amazing people, but there's no silver bullet. I think I get a lot of emails and, and, you know, outreach from younger photographers and it's great, right? That's what I did when I was young in my career. I think the best thing you can do is, is approach um, veterans and individuals that have spent time in your space and ask them for advice. Mm -hmm. But everybody wants a silver bullet and the only silver bullet I can come up with is, is just to freaking work your butt off. You know, you got to work for it. Yeah. I'm curious too, you mentioned the failures part and I feel like a lot of the people that I've spent time with and I've started to experience some of this myself is, you know, it's, there's this back and forth, this kind of ping pong thing that happens between a moment of failure where you have imposter syndrome. You're like, I can't do this. I shouldn't be doing this. You know, people, you know, people aren't going to support this or whatever those kind of those valleys are like. And then you hit a mountaintop and you're feeling like having these moments where you're like, this is happening. You know, yeah. this might really work for you. What advice would you give people on that ping pong back and forth ebb and flow that so many people who are chasing a dream experience? How do, how do you try to stay balanced and work through that? Yeah, that is, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing because success is different to, to different people, right? Um, but I think ultimately success as a professional is, um, is, a, is, is whether it's income or whether it's achievement or whatever it might be, it's whatever you need to continue doing that in a professional capacity and, and to continue mm -hmm. achieving. So I think the first thing, like for me, for whatever reason, I've always been confident in my work. And I don't know if that's because... Um, I didn't jump into it overnight. And as mm -hmm. I mentioned, I really kind of, uh, I, I, I won't say by any means that when I jumped off to do photography full time in 2008, like, of course, like I look back in my early images and in my opinion, they're terrible. And I think in a lot of opinions, they're terrible, <laughs> but mm -hmm. they were in a good enough place, at least for me that I could begin to establish that confidence in my own self and in my own work and in my own ability. 
And so first and foremost, I would say have that confidence in yourself. And I understand that's a little bit of chicken or egg there because that confidence can be validated or not by the opinions and the accolades and the attention of others. But ultimately, you got to believe in you, you know, and whether you find that through your creative endeavor or for through your professional journey or whether you're just kind of built with that. Believe in you because if like there's going to come a point where nobody else believes in you, like inevitably. And if you don't believe in you, you'll never, ever be able to convince somebody else to believe in you. So so find whatever it is that gives you that belief. If, if that means going and spending several months just creating for yourself or writing for yourself or, you know, cooking for yourself or whatever it might be, um, do whatever it is that gives you the confidence to look somebody in the face and, and le- legit promise them that you're going to give them a better product than they could, they, than they could ever get from anybody else. And you got to believe that first, mm. right? And secondly, I would say, I mean, secondly, gosh, there's about a billion things we could go through here, but just know that <laughs> when you think you've made it, you will get humbled. You will get humbled and that's okay because that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're not capable or able or, or cut out for it. Like I, I do remember that early in my career, I was terrified of failure because I felt like the first failure would be the first dot that didn't get connected in my journey and would lead to my downfall. In fact, I did, you know, way, way back when I wanted to do a, a, a fishing photography workshop um, and with a local uh, shop here and, and it, it didn't really go off at all. Mm-hmm. And I was crazy disappointed and, and honestly such a blip on the radar to be honest, but I was, it was my first instance of like, truly just kind of like all out failure on, on something. And you know what? Like I could come up with so many other failures along the way that were so much more significant and impactful. Like every single day I get no, like 10 times to every one. Yes. If not a hundred no's to every yes. And so, and that's because to your point, like this is living the dream to a lot of people. It's a crowded house. So first and foremost, you better have really, really strong work. And secondly, you better have really strong work ethic. Um, and thirdly, you just better be willing to, to, put, to put in the time to understand that it's a game of numbers at that point and, and mm-hmm. getting your work in front of enough people. But yeah, I think you know, being confident in yourself, being okay with rejection. And don't forget... Um, to give yourself some grace along the way, you know, revel, Mm -hmm. revel in those moments of achievement and success. Like don't, don't overlook that, you know, like where we were talking about earlier of not being present on particular shoots. Like, man, if you win an award or let's say you get a cover or you get an image published in a gallery or you land a client or like revel in those little steps, they might be small victories. They might be massive victories, but don't simply shove that under the rug and move on to the next. Mm-hmm. Like there's a fine line between ambition and just kind of self torture. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really great to chase and be ambitious and to have those goals, but man, don't like the joy is in the journey too. Don't forget to revel in those small victories. 
That's good, man. That's, I think that's really helpful. It's helpful for me too, as somebody at the beginning of what I'm trying to do. And one of the things that I've already learned that's been really helpful for me and you've touched on it is when it comes to who I want to spend my time with and who I want to live life with, I'm not worried about who's the best angler, the best fisher, the best media guy. I'm worried about who are the best people for me, who, who encourage me, who do I enjoy spending time with, who will also celebrate. Like, um, I was up in Charleston with some friends and we did a first ever kind of live recording event and I had some friends with me and, you know, they were so, they were more stoked for me than I was because I was anxious, you know, and I, I, like the, the people that were with me had nothing to do with the fishing industry, Yeah, but that didn't matter. What I needed from them was for them to say, this is really awesome. This is great. And I think that who you surround yourself with is one of the most important, if not the most important things that's going to shape you. I'm curious as you've traveled with all these, let's talk about fishing and travel for a moment. As you've traveled with all these great anglers and you've built relationships how have they changed the way you thought, approached? How has that impacted you when it comes to fishing? What's that been like? Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, like fishing, like being a good angler, <laughs> um, it's work, just like anything else, man. It's a craft. Um, it's 10,000 hours, right, to master. And to expect to go and to a a new spot or to fish for a new species or you know try and and master a new tactic like no matter what it's work and I look at Mm -hmm. and hopefully you know some people have seen me in this same light but I look at these people that I've fished with and spent time with whether they're guides or anglers or they're photographers or whatever it might be I'm like dude this is so rad. Like you, I, I mm-hmm. love seeing people who are masters of their craft, no matter what it is. Like it could be, it could be homemade ice cream. I don't care. You know, it could, but in this case, we're talking about fishing and watching them make their own leaders or watching them tie on a fly in a super pressured moment, you know, in less than five seconds. Um, or watching, you know, them wrangle a fish and land a fish when all hell is, is like going Mm. on, you know, at the boat and it's like the permit of your lifetime, which is probably any permit. Right. (laughs) Um, uh, but uh, so I think I've, that, that's one of the things is, is, is just, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of passion and enthusiasm and a lot of understanding, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Another one is like, you got to roll with the punches. Um, and this is what we talked about earlier is you might always have a plan A, but there is no question. Like I'd say 10 times out of 10, not even nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, what you think is going to happen, like do a complete 180. Like what you, yeah. <laughs> the fish that you think you're going to catch, the fish that you think you're going to have opportunities to catch, the weather that you think you're going to have, the lodging that you think you're going to have, the flights that you think you're going to have, right? Like all of these things, it just, there is always, always going to be something that goes south. And from an angling standpoint, like what, first of all, what kind of knowledge base do you have to, to roll with those punches? And then what kind of commitment and integrity do you have to be like, to not give up? Like, I mean, I think of, you know, a trip in particular with Oliver White to Oman um, which when we went there in, I want to say 2018, like, yeah, there'd been some DIY stuff done, uh, 
I, I don't want to discredit any of the guys, the earlier guys that had been doing some DIY stuff, but f- for the most part, it was still kind of a little bit undiscovered in, in mainstream angling. And let's be honest, it still mm-hmm. is kind of undiscovered, but I think in the core groups, it's, it's definitely come online a little bit thanks to, you know, a pretty decent story that the fly fish journal ran after our trip. But, you know, for, for five days we had been, it was either four or five days we'd been chucking into the Arabian sea and or the Indian ocean, whichever one of those it was. (laughs) Um, and just getting slapped, man. And I know mm-hmm. so many anglers and so many photographers and so many people could fill in this story with their own location and trip. And, you know, on like the fifth day, <laughs> Oliver got into this amazing permit and we got one of one of my top, I don't know, two or three images I've ever gotten. It's a shot of Oliver fighting a, this Indo-Pacific permit in just a glassy turquoise wave you can see the fish you can see oliver hooked up it ran as the cover of the fly fish journal um you know i say you could you could hand me a pet permit in a wave pool and i could never get that image again it's just that kind of thing yeah and that was like that was after an immense amount of of work on both ends and kind of some some serious doubting and and just you know, being bummed out for a couple of days despite us working hard. But yeah, man, what kind of, what kind of knowledge base and passion do you have to push through like those difficult moments? So, and I, I guess like I'd wrap that up with, there's just a lot of, like most of the time, the guys that I find myself with are guys, as to your point, are guys that I'd want to be hanging out with, whether I was on the front of a skiff or around a campfire or in their, in their, you know, living room or in their backyard. Um, you know, good wants to be with good. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I just find that there's a, it's just, it's a good time. Like, yeah, at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, sure. I want to crush it from the photo standpoint, but man, I'd so much rather be making deposits in the life experience piggy bank than, than even, you know, tacking on another ridiculous image or, or landing another cover or fill in the blank because at the end of the day, we can't take any of it with us, man. But people and relationships are, are what make the difference. And I've, I've been fortunate to, to meet a lot of great people and spend time with them. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Even just in my, my short experience, I felt the same way. And it was interesting because I was setting up my mobile studio and there's an area that has about 12 photos on it, I think. And, um, I was picking photos and kind of just, I I really had a lot of fun just looking through all the, the photos from the podcast and traveling and stuff. And, um, I just picked, I picked photos thinking through, like I wanted a diversity and, and what I was doing and diversity and where I was doing it at. But what ended up making the photo wall is half the photos, there's not a fish in them. Right. Oh yeah. And it's interesting, you know, because I think that is, that that's kind of a small picture of what it's like at the end of life to look back and, and say, are you going to sit there and, and with your grandkids, your great grandkids at the end of life and show them you know, all the biggest snook you caught, or are you going to tell them about all the great people that you got to travel with and go to these places? And I try to keep that in mind right now. I'm 30 and I'm trying to say when I'm 90, of course I want to catch big fish. Like, of course I want to, you know, catch different species. Like, 
But what ends up making the photo wall, for lack of a better phrase of our life, is is the people and the experiences and, you know, all the stories and memories. And one of the things I've noticed with some of the best, um, you know, some of the best people that I've got a chance to be around is you talked about that passion they have for what they do. And it like bleeds into so many other areas of their life. It, yeah. to me, it seems totally. like a lot of them are not homogenous and focused on one thing, but they're just passionate people. So they're passionate when they're tying their leader. They're passionate when they're making a taco. They're passionate talking (laughs) about the music they love. They're just passionate people. And for me, you know, I think that that is a lot of the secret sauce that I've been around. It's not, it's not a silver bullet. It's an attitude though. What advice would you give to people, whether they're pursuing photography, videography, fishing, guiding, or maybe they're just a small business owner that has a dream to, you know, you referenced, I think earlier making homemade ice cream, whatever it is, how do you protect a passion? Yeah. So that's a very poignant question, especially now, because like I find for me, 15 years in, um, that maybe that, that passion, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's waning, but of course, like new and shiny is always more exciting. Right. So it's not new and shiny yeah. anymore. Um, but I still love it. And in fact, I, I, and I'll, I'll get to kind of the advice point here in a second, but, but, and, and I'll, I'll kind of, this will all tie in, but, um, I was down, in uh the San Rafael Swell here in Utah spending time with a buddy and my boys um camping and we had the dirt bikes down there and we're just adventuring for a couple days like digging up fossils and or looking for fossils and geodes and just like classic boy adventure right and Mm -hmm. um I hadn't actually shot imagery for (coughs) quite some time I'd been busy uh with other work and doing other things but I, the second I brought my camera back to my face, like I actually, it, this was completely unexpected is like I was shooting pictures. I brought my camera up to my face and it had been long enough that I hadn't done it. That when I brought it back to my face, I'm like, Oh, like this is that, this is nostalgic almost. And this is like familiar. This is, this is what I do. And this is who I am. And it felt really great. Um, and it reminded me, uh, that it is a part of, of what I am, you know, and, and what I do, it doesn't define me, but it is a huge part of, of, you know, what has defined my life to this point and especially my professional existence. So Mm -hmm. I guess to, to close that loop right there, it's like, why are you doing what you do? Like, are you doing it for accomplishment and accolades? Are you doing it for recognition? Um, are you doing it because, uh, you want to be, you know, at the top of, of that, of that, you know, I guess the top of that pedestal for your own ego. Um, mm. or are you doing it because like it feeds a part of your soul that you couldn't do it without. <laughs> and I understand mm. that not every business or pursuit will be that, but if it is that, then there's nothing that can hold you down. There's nothing that can stop you because if it's a part of your person, um, then you'll be able to battle through whatever adversity you might face. So I would say truly examine why you're doing what you do If and, and own it. If you're doing it because you want to make a ton of money, then awesome, you know? Like whatever you're doing, then freaking, then own that. Like mm-hmm. I, I think 
honesty and transparency are the best policy. And I see a lot of advertising and marketing and, and promotion like amongst, I don't know, like brands and other creatives and this and that that are trying to veil a message behind something else when I know that really mm. the end goal is just to kind of pad their ego. And it's like, man, it's cool if like you want to be the best because you want to be the best. Um, and, and you want that like admiration and accomplishment, just freaking own whatever space you're in. Uh, and because in the end, like people will appreciate, appreciate you for that. Um, that, that's part of it is like, you know, why, why are you doing what you love? Um, I would also say like, you know, have a lot of like so many of us kind of start on these journeys without an end goal, um, without kind of any sort of structure. And while adaptability and, and being able to, to kind of pivot is incredibly important, I think it's also very helpful, um, especially in the tough times, to have a roadmap of sorts. Um, because even when everything seems like it's totally gone to crap, you know, you could know that you're like, okay, like I can still kind of see the North star. Like I can still see the direction that I hoped to that. I I can still see the direction that I had started out from. And I can see that if I continue on the, in this direction that I can make it to my destination or to this, you know, to, to the, to the peak or whatever, whatever you're chasing. So having, you know, like before I launched my photography business, credit to my wife, she's like, okay, well, (laughs) if we're going to do this, I want to see a business plan. So funny, like to talk about it now. And I'd never done a business plan. You know, I didn't really even know what it was. Um, but it was good. It held me accountable. It's, it's kind of awesome to look back at that now. And I have, I have surpassed everything that I hope to accomplish. And I think, I don't know whether that's, um, that's just a fortunate blessing or the fact that I was setting my, (laughs) my sights too low back then, but Mm. they weren't, they weren't low for the, for the first period of my career, but to have Mm. that business plan, to just even have that structure, then to be able to tell somebody in 20 seconds or less what I am and where I'm headed and what I'm going to be doing, what I can do for them. Um, it was helpful. So having Mm. some of that structure in place seems incredibly helpful. And I guess the last thing I would say is, um, as we've talked about to a great extent here is, is if, and whenever possible, surround yourself with the best support, you know, support group and having good friends and family and good people around you, as you mentioned, people that can take joy in your successes, right? People that aren't mm-hmm. there to, you know, um, pad your ego or to sugarcoat anything that can call a spade a spade and that can give you credit where credit's due, but also hold you accountable um, when maybe you're mm-hmm. not cutting it. Um, honest feedback, um, honest support of people in your corner are so incredibly helpful if you can find a mentor in your space find a mentor like i don't think i say this repeatedly i don't believe anybody that has ever made any sort of accomplishment um in their career or in their life has ever done it completely upon their own merits right like Mm -hmm. and most of the time i would say we all have many many people to thank for 
most of our successes. I think that's, I think that's so true. And it's, it's humbling too, you know, and I also, when I hear people talk about being a hundred percent self-made, I feel like you're, I mean, I almost feel bad because it's like, man, you're not, you're missing some gratitude for sure. That actually feels really good to be, to look back and see people who, whether it was parents making sacrifices or friends or spouses or whatever it may be, like you're actually missing an opportunity to get to just sit and feel what it, what it looks like just to be supported and, you know, to be brought up by somebody who maybe they didn't really get that much out of you, but, but they're just kind of paying it back, paying it forward. They see something in you and, um, that's really good, man. I I'd love to close. I've never successfully done a rapid fire, but I want to do rapid fire all on photography. I got a great photographer on and I I want to kind of work through that, help people think through that. So, um, what is the quick case for shooting with a real camera rather than an iPhone? Um, I, I think there, the quick case is, is what do you have with you at the moment <laughs> and like mm-hmm. how best do you know how to utilize that? Um, if like I used to try and make myself use a point and shoot when I didn't want to take the full rig with me and I just found back, like back then phones weren't what they are right now. So, um, inevitably if it, back then I wanted the best product and the best product came from a DSLR, which would now be a mirrorless camera unless you're still shooting a DSLR. But, um, but honestly, like now, uh, iPhones, like camera phones, um, are so, so good. Like, am, is that what I'm using for a commercial shoot or, you know, no, could I, if I had to? Yeah, I actually could. Like I tell most people that, you know, if you go to your local camera store and buy, you know, the best pro mirrorless body and lens that you can get with zero knowledge of how to operate it, you know, go get that. Um, and I'll take out my iPhone and I promise you, I'll probably be able to shoot as good or better of an image out there when the light is right. Even and and knowing what the limits are, um, I could probably shoot as good an image on an iPhone as you can on that camera because it's very much about your understanding of mm. the craft. Um, but it's it's situation dependent, you know. Like if if you can, for sure, take that rig with you. But let's be honest, man. Faster and lighter. I, I used to be the guy that was willing to to haul every you know lens and every body and every piece of equipment to the ends of the earth to get to get the shot. And as I get older, it's all about faster and lighter. And I've found now, especially on like family vacations and times I'm like, I'm super content to be shooting with a phone and they can yield really great imagery. It's very much about the operator. Hmm. That's good. So if somebody wants to get a real camera to be able to learn and kind of just open up more opportunities for them, as far as what they're able to shoot distance, lighting, etc., mm-hmm. used or new, I'd say, used for sure man like there's a lot of really just because it's like anything like are you going to go out and buy a 900 dollars fly rod like for your first um fishing setup probably not because that would be unwise and and really kind of irresponsible unless you've got the cash then freaking go for it whatever uh but i would Mm. say yeah hunt for there's so much there's there's a lot of really good used gear out there uh that hasn't that hasn't really been heavily used. You know, I always say used, but not used up, look for used, but not used up, you know? Mm. Um, and, and especially, and, and think 
really about the glass that you're putting on your your body a lot of you know the the body is like the really sexy part to a lot of people but don't go but don't go out and buy like an amazing body and then throw crappy glass or lenses on it that's like you know i say it's having buying a ferrari and throwing bald tires on it you know so definitely mm-hmm. keep in mind like I'd, I'd i'd go used and look for you know used but not used up and well taken care of but for sure you can get and, and dip your feet in the used before you go like full-on new in a world filled with thousands of resources, um, what what is the simplest, most efficient way to learn the basics of photography? Is there a book, resource, course? Oh man, there's a lot. Um, gosh, I I'd say everybody kind of has their own avenues, and so if there's photographers that they're following, there are a lot of really great online courses out there. Um, I'm not. To be honest, I'm kind of blanking on specifics, but I'm not even going to give specifics. Like literally you could get on the Google, right? And type in like landscape photography Mm -hmm. course or, and I mean, like anything like word of mouth references are best. So if you got, you know, Mm -hmm. just ask around to your buddies, but, um, like online tutorials are really great if you can, like if you can afford it and if it's in an industry that you're passionate about and, and you're committed to your craft and you're committed to like going forward, like take an in-person, in-person workshop because those are the instances, mm-hmm. like especially when you're learning, like you might have problems, problems with a specific setting or you might not understand a specific concept. Like depth of field is kind of hard to understand at first or, you know, composition, like where sure, like it can be really great for me to tell you about the rule of thirds and foreground, midground, background, and, you know, having contrast in uh, light and subject matter and texture and all this that will help create depth in an image. But, you know, what happens when you really get out there and you're looking through your lens and you're like, man, I, I just am having a hard time putting it together. So having that real time Q and a with mm-hmm. like a qualified photographer or, or somebody that you respect in that, in, in your field or whatever, like it's invaluable. So yeah, in person, if you can do in person, man, like intensive, like two or three day workshops or photo tours where you're with other photographers and then do that. I would, I would say, preface that with like an online course or some reading or whatever. But man, if you can get on an in-person workshop, it's, it's really valuable. I think. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so helpful, man. I think just a, a great starting point. I'm, I'm really grateful for the time we got to have chatting today. I'm, I'm excited to do some more podcasts down the road and zero in on some of these things, man. Yes, but sir. I just want to thank you for coming on and encourage people to follow along with your photography and I'll have links in the bio and man, it's just, it's so cool. Thank you for being somebody who, I think full circle, you talked about when you were, you know, traveling to Europe and you just wanted to share your experiences. For me, when I see people doing things like that, it, 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 it inspires me. Like it, I know it sounds cliche, but it does. It, it reminds me of how cool it is to get outside and get outside your comfort box. So thanks for being a part of that. And thanks for being on the show. Hunter, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure and really enjoyed kind of breaking it down with you and, and, uh, chatting back and forth. So I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Help us out by sharing this podcast with your friends online and leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening. This is the Captain's Collective.